you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. All right, well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you who are here with us in person. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online as we are starting, as Thomas mentioned, a brand new series called Masterpiece in and I was saying prospect, which doesn't make sense, in progress. And we're going to unpack what that looks like because uh, in a way that when we think about what a masterpiece looks like, we think, oh, that's, that's not us or that's not how we've been created. But when we look at what God says in his word about how each of you are created and shaped and formed and loved and that God knows the gifts that he's given to you. He knows the days of your lives and he knows the hairs on your head, the skills that you have, the abilities that you have, the heart that he's put inside you to serve. And he's put experiences around us that allow us to lean into the purpose for which we have been created. And so what we want to talk about in this Masterpiece in Progress series over the next several weeks is to look at how God has made us. But maybe, again, some of us are like, well, I don't necessarily feel like a masterpiece. I don't feel like that fits where I'm at. So I want to start off this whole series looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It's going to be on the screen in the New American Standard Bible. In that version, it says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So it's the idea that his workmanship, it's a one of a kind. It's something that's created. And yet... So often we think, okay, workmanship, that's, that's, that's nice, but that's not a masterpiece. That's not the same idea. Rick Warren in his book, um, Purpose Driven Life, says this. Our English word poem comes from the Greek word translated workmanship. It's this word poema. It says, you are God's handcrafted work of art. You're not an assembly line product mass produced without thought. You are a custom designed, one of a kind, original masterpiece. Now, some of us might think, well, no, again, that's not me. I, I, I'm, I know my faults, and I know my thing. And that's, we lean into that and acknowledge that none of us are perfect. None of us have everything all together. And yet God is in the business of using people who don't have it all together in order to help change this world. That we say, and we've said before, that we are not perfect people at this church. If you are new to our church, whether you're first time here or you're joining us online, we are not perfect people. And if you're looking for a church filled with perfect people, it's not us. And let me know when you find one. But acknowledging that we're not perfect people, but we're people that have been changed by God to make a change in this world. To recognize that God is continuing to shape us. He's continuing to mold us. And that we are people in progress. We're masterpieces in progress to fulfill the calling he has for our lives. And so this is where we see in the Philippians, or excuse me, Ephesians 2.10 and the NLT, the New Living Translation, that word workmanship, that word that's Greek, the poema, the word that points to a one-of-a-kind work of art. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, and not so that we can just feel good about ourselves, not so that we can just be able to say, oh, look how great I am, He makes us a masterpiece so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The way we've been molded and shaped and created is not for ourselves and our own benefit. It's so that we can come alongside other people, so that we can 
function within the body of Christ so that we could be a light in a dark place. We are God's workmanship, poema, and masterpiece so that other people would look to us and not look at the piece of work, but they would be able to look to the creator and the one who formed us. That they wouldn't give us credit, but they would look at how God is working and they would give him glory. And so we're going to be referencing a couple of books throughout this series. It's, and um, one of them, are, they're both here. The first one is The Purpose Driven Life. Uh, my version of this is much older, so it looks, it looks very different, but they've reprinted it and it looks great. Um, Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. If you've not read that, this series is going to go six weeks, uh, which means that it's going to be 42 days. And so I'd encourage you, if you've not read that book and you are interested in having a, a, some extra reading that you want to do, and you're like, who's interested in extra reading? It's worth it, okay? I know we've done it as a church in the past, but it's been many years. But I'd encourage you, if you started that, you order it today on Amazon Prime, you get it and finish it in the time that we have. So with that said, there's that. And the other one is Shape uh, by Eric Reese. And this idea is based off of days, I think it's 31, 32, and 33 in The Purpose Driven Life, how God has shaped us for service. So as we enter into this series about how God has created us as masterpieces in progress, we're going to look at spiritual gifts today. We're going to look at the hearts that he's given us. We're going to look at the abilities that he's given us, our personalities, and then our experiences and see how, as all those spell out shape, how has God shaped us for service? So I'm going to pray for us, and then when we say amen, we're going to be able to watch the video, because every week this series, we're going to see videos from people within our church body here who are able to, or who are living out the spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, passion, our personality, and experience, so that we can see it's not just the people on stage, or it's not just other people, it's you. We can do this together. So let's pray, and then we'll go ahead and dive into the video. So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who is part of our service today, whether they're live in person, live online, or watching or listening at some point throughout the week. God, I thank you for the fact that each person that hears my voice is someone who is a one-of-a-kind, not an assembly line, handcrafted by the creator and the good maker, masterpiece. And Lord, we're in progress. We know we don't have it all together, and we may never have it all together, but we want to see how you have shaped us to not for our own good or our own credit or glory, but for your good, for the good of the people around us, and for your glory. So what I pray that as we watch this video and then as we dive into your word, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us. And Lord, I pray that each person who hears my voice knows that they're deeply loved by you, that they are prayed for, cared for, and loved. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you turn your attention to the screens as we watch this video together? My name is Carol Turner, and I've been attending PCC since 2005. You know, my journey with um, spiritual gifts is actually, I hadn't really even heard about spiritual gifts when I be became a Christian early on. Um, it, it was not something that the church I went to really talked about or offered. so. Um, it was really when I started my own business that I realized God had given me abilities that I wasn't ever aware of. Um, I knew I always had a tender heart and I loved to encourage and bring people together. My parents would tell you that since I was four years old. That was just me, you know, that was, my dad called me his Barnabas because I'd always try to encourage. But I wasn't aware of what, what it meant to have gifts from God, spiritual gifts from God. So um, 
when I started my own business, that's when the others really kicked in. And actually my first two, because I've taken the test a couple of times, uh, leadership and administration and organization. And then number three is encouragement and exhortation. So I'm like, wow, I see why God has helped my business to prosper because it was all about me uh, helping other women start their own businesses, helping them build teams, encouraging them, all of those things. And I didn't realize I had any of the leadership or organizational administrative skills until I, I jumped into the arena of my own business. Um, so that's kind of my journey. Uh, I knew God had provided me with the perfect business for um, my spiritual gifts. And I was so faithful in my tithing, but. I would come here to church and Pastor Evan would be giving his message and I'd leave and literally I'd be out in the parking lot and I just felt God going, Carol, you know, you get it now. You, you know why, how I wired you. So um, what about using some of those skills, those spiritual gifts um, and serve at the church in a way? And so that kind of uh, was the journey, and that was like in 2010. And in 2010, I offered my assistance to Pastor Evan um, to help him with the ministries here at the church to kind of, um, they were, it was a time when they were trying to define them, bring them together, uh, connect everybody, encourage them, and really help the ministry leaders do what they, they felt God was calling them to do. And so I offered that, and Evan was like, if you feel like it, we had some discussions. It was like, yeah, let's, you know, yes, please, um, let's do it. And so I also asked my dear friend, Ann Hansen, who has similar gifting to partner with me. And she did, and I'll tell you, God honored our prayers um, and desire to use our gifts. Uh, we created the servant leader team and it was formed and it was flir and it just flourished. And being able to come alongside all the different ministries of the church and kind of help them all come together so they weren't just off on their own, um, it was a true joy. I would leave feeling and knowing, okay, and how cool is it that you can serve God in that way? So, you know, as God, uh, He really grew my faith and my abilities the more I used them um, with the servant leader team and with working to connect so then it was about sunday morning you know you have first service you have second service and so as a servant leader as all the ministry leaders discussed it it's like what can we do to do you know bring people together so that was also exciting because we had a lot of really fun successful fellowship events like our celebration sundays we did those a couple times a year from young to old down on the back lot you got to try to dunk your pastor just one time. It's a lot of fun. Um, helping uh, and, and organizing the women's retreat at the Beach House. It was just those of us from Pomerode Christian Church. It was a small, it was a nice intimate beach house. Um, and then our ministry fair. You know, I love to en encourage people to just greet. Just try one thing and find and feel that joy that you get in your heart because you truly will get a joy like, yeah. This is cool. This this is this makes me closer to God, and he he honors it so much. So, um, it's really been a blessing to learn my gifts and then to be able to use them to serve at the church.
So we're really grateful for, for Carol being willing to share her story and to see how God is doing that. And some of you might leave the parking lot sometimes, and God might be pressing upon you to, to jump into service or to figure out a way to use the gifts, the spiritual gifts you've been given, in order to serve the church and to serve the community around us. And so what I want to do is we're shaping what this looks like for this series. Uh, there's a couple things that are different that I want to communicate. One is that um, we have our bulletin, but this this series, um, we've asked our small groups to come alongside and to be a part of discussing these various topics. And so on, our, on the side with our notes, these are actual fill-ins. We haven't done fill-ins in a while, but they're fun to go back to. And then there's also going to be discussion questions. So if you are in a small group or a Bible study, I encourage you to take notes and to fill those things in and then to wrestle with some of those things, to think through those discussion questions so that we're better able to discuss them throughout the week because those small groups, discussing it will start this week. If you're not in a group and you would like to be in a group, please let us know. We have small group response cards out on the greeters table, um, and you could still have, there's still time if you would like to be able to, to jump in on one of those. But we're going we're gonna to have fill-ins this time, so it's a little bit different. Um, and then also we're going to have um, things at the end that if you want to have practical ways to put some of these things into practice, we have uh, resources for you on the black table that's in the back there as well. So with that said, we're going to just unpack what, this, what we're talking about today when it comes to spiritual gifts. Now, some of you, I know, some of you have taken spiritual gifts tests. You could rattle them off. You know what they are. Some of you haven't taken them in a while, so you're not clear. Some of you haven't taken one at all, and, and this is a new concept. And so wherever you are, whether it's a new concept or not, we're glad that we can have this time together to answer a couple of very basic, simple questions that are important for us to, to talk through. And I heard uh, Patrick Lencioni, who um, is a well-known leader and author, and he was quoting someone else, Samuel Johnson, and he said, people often need to be reminded more than they need to be instructed. So for some of you, if you already know this topic of spiritual gifts, maybe this is just a helpful time to remind you of what they are and how that can impact your walk with God, the church, and the community at large. So a couple quick questions we're going to ask as we unpack this. First one is, what is a spiritual gift? What is a spiritual gift? Because some people might say, well, I'm really good with carpentry. Is that a spiritual gift? Well, you could use that, but that's, that's a little bit different. You might say, well, I'm really good at, at teaching. Is that a spiritual gift? Well, it could be, but how do you use those things? And so we want to give, Tom Blackaby gives a little bit of a, um, a distinction, a definition between spiritual gifts, which we're talking about today, and abilities, which we will talk about in two weeks. So here's what he talks about. He says, there is a distinction, though, between spiritual gifts and natural talents, although both are to be used for God's glory. While most people are born with certain abilities, only believers receive spiritual gifts. For example, a woman might be a naturally talented storyteller, but that's not a spiritual gift. Just being able to tell a story is not a spiritual gift. However, God may give her the gift of teaching, allowing her to use her ability to bring his word to life for others. So we're going to look at what the spiritual gifts are, and we're going to unpack that because it is different. You all have talents, and everyone who has given their life to the Lord is a, is a follower of Jesus, has the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We've all been given gifts that are to be used for the common good. And so Here's how Eric Ries in the book, uh, Shape, defines a spiritual gift. He says it this way. And if you're following along with your notes, this is, would be the, the, one of the first fill-ins for you there. A spiritual gift is a God-given special ability given to every believer at conversion by the Holy Spirit to share his love and strengthen the body of Christ. 
It's something that's God-given for believers at conversion to share his love and strengthen the body of Christ. And so we see examples of this in Scripture. We're not going to go to a bunch, but, but I love the idea of how Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, the apostle Peter, when he was following Jesus, we know that he, had, uh, he wore his heart on a sleeve, and so he would sometimes speak out of turn, but his heart was to follow after Jesus. But we see that when Acts 2 hits, and when all the disciples, all the apostles are, are in the, the room, and then all of a sudden the Spirit comes on, upon them, Peter, who was bold and courageous and outspoken before having the Spirit come upon him, he ends up going and he is bold and outspoken and courageous and he preaches to everybody in Acts chapter 2. And in verse 37, it talks about how his sermon there, talking about how they need to repent and to follow Jesus, he says that it cut to the people's heart. And so he who sometimes had his foot in his mouth, also when the Holy Spirit came upon him and he received that ability was able to see God work and cut to the heart of those around him so that they said, what must I do to be saved? And they were repented and they were baptized and 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, not all of us have that kind of experience with the first time we experience God's spirit moving in our lives, but it's an important thing for us to recognize. It's a God-given special ability that's given to believers by the Holy Spirit in order to share his love and to strengthen the body of Christ. So let's ask the next question. Is that, that was just a real simple overview, real quick. The next question is, is what are the spiritual gifts? What are they? We, we've heard some, is this a spiritual gift, is this isn't? Here's what I'm going to do. For those of you who are note takers, I'm going to give a little bit of a heads up. I'm going to read uh, from several passages of scripture, and I'm highlighting the different spiritual gifts. However, if you look on your notes, you're going to see 1 Corinthians 12 has like 13 options. Romans 12 has a few. Ephesians 4 has. So you're going to see a bunch. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read all the passage for you note takers. Just relax for a second. Just listen. And then I'm going to have a page at the end that's going to list all of them so that you could follow along and write those in. Um, but that way you're not trying to, well, can you go back to the slide? Because it'll all be available for you at the end. So let's just read through what, what we see in the New Testament, what the different spiritual gifts are, starting in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10. The first thing to make note is to notice not each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We used that earlier. We reminded you, though, that these gifts are not for you. They're not for us. They're not for me to feel good about myself or you to feel good about yourself. It's for us to be, feel the joy and the pleasure of serving the common good and feeling God's pleasure while we're doing what he's called us to do. So it's not just for us to feel great about ourselves. It's for us to what? Strengthen the body and to share his love. So they're all given for the common good. To one, there is given the spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. So that's a bunch just right there in 1 Corinthians 12. Let's go to the next slide. Later in 1 Corinthians 12, it says this. God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. So there's some that we mentioned here already, tongues, miracles, prophets. We didn't highlight those because we already talked about those. So just we're highlighting the new ones that come up. Let's go to the next slide. 
Romans 12, 8, which is going to be our core passage. If you want to turn with me in Romans 12, 3 through 8. But before we dive into the passage, here's what it says near the end. If your gift is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Continue on. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. We'll keep going. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. And then lastly, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So that was a a real quick, very brief, but here's the whole list for everybody. Um, So you could fill those in if you would like to fill that in, and I'll try to, to stand out of the way while you're doing that. But Here's what we want to talk about here. Notice how many different gifts there are. It's not like one person has all the gifts. In fact, the reason why different people have different gifts, but they're from the same spirit, so that unity is vitally important, that the same spirit gives gifts to different people. But the reason why one person doesn't have all the gifts is because we need each other. We need each other. We can't all be people. I heard one of, the, one of the commentators I read was like, imagine if you came to church and everybody here at the church all had acoustic guitars and was singing. Now, some of you are like, I don't want anyone to hear me sing, but you might be thinking if everyone did, there was no one with children's ministry. There was no one who was greeting people. There was no one who was preaching. There was no one who was leading the children's um, teaching downstairs or the youth ministry with the middle school or high school groups. There was nobody who was in the sound booth. There was nobody. Everyone was just having guitars and singing. Now, would it be um, a joyful noise unto the Lord? Yes. But it wouldn't be the way the church was designed to function. I would argue no, because God has given different gifts to each of us. And there will be times where I need your gifts of whatever that might be, and you need my gifts, and we need each other. So we'll unpack that a little bit more, but the idea is no one has all the gifts, and they're, they're varied. Some are gifts that are out there, and you're, you're bold, and you're outspoken. Others are behind the scenes that no one will ever know what you're doing. There are some that others will look at and like, wow, that person is so gifted. There are others who do things behind the scenes that you may not even acknowledge their gifts, but if they were missing, it would be painfully obvious. And it would be something that we as a church body would be all the less for it. And so as we look through here, we have wisdom, we have knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy. Prophecy um, has two different ideas. One is the idea of forth telling, so to bring forth a message from God. Another option, especially ones that we see um, in the scriptures, is foretelling, which is telling of a future event. And so being able to preach, preaching would be the idea of you're, you're speaking a message from the Lord through God's word, but that's a little bit different than the idea of teaching. Teaching could be someone who doesn't, isn't on a big stage, but they're in a one-on-one conversation and they're able to teach a truth in a way to make it real. So there's different ways and different degrees to which we have these gifts. Discernment, the idea of being able to discern what's right and wrong, distinguishing between the different spirits. Speaking in tongues, whether that's the heavenly language or whether that is being able to speak a language in Acts 2. It's speaking a language they knew not, but were able to preach that and to share the good news of the gospel in a language that they didn't naturally know, but it was used in order to reach thousands of people that day. 
We see interpretation, apostleship, teaching, helps, administration, encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy, evangelism, shepherding or pastoring, intercession, and then hospitality. Now, with intercession, I just want to take a quick, a quick moment. Um, we heard already about the GPS ministry that's the table down there that allows for us to encourage one another and encourage other people to grow in our own faith by reading God's word and those little bookmarks that have the different scriptures, to pray for people, to write notes and, and share with them and let them know that they are prayed for and how encouraging it is when someone just says, I'm praying for you. And then to share scripture in order to come alongside them. One of the, over the next several weeks in this series, we're going to provide opportunities for each of us to find out how we can serve in various ministries. And many of you know, but maybe not all of you are part of our prayer team, that when we get a prayer request through the church, whether it's a prayer card or whether it's emailed to um, our prayer email address at prayapomerado.com, that there are dozens of people who pray for those. And so what we want to encourage is that if you're someone who loves to intercede and you're not on that list, we have cards that are on the black table on the back. So that's one of the resources we have for you. And what the card says is, I want to pray for others. And it asks for your name and email address so we can add you to our list. And then there's one that says, I want others to pray for me. And so if you have a prayer request that you have today that you'd like to share we would like to be able to know how we can best pray for you. But let's come alongside one another so that when we say you are prayed for, cared for, and loved, we know that that is coming to fruition because when you send in a request, there are dozens of people who are praying for you. And if you have the gift or the heart for intercession, for praying for other people and interceding on their behalf, please fill out that card before you leave. And if you're watching online, please send your email address into the chat so we can make sure we get you plugged into that. So... Did I talk enough that everyone has their notes filled out for this section over here? Awesome. So let's go ahead and go to the next one. So we've talked about briefly, what are spiritual gifts? They're God-given special abilities that come during conversion through the Holy Spirit in order to share God's love and to strengthen the body of Christ. What are they? What are the specific ones? We have a list of 19 or 20 that we just saw there. Now, here's where we're going to land for the majority of our sermon and the rest of our time together is this. What do I do? What do I do with my spiritual gifts? So if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, if you saw that list and you're like, I have no idea, I've never taken an assessment, another resource that we want to have is we have some um, spiritual gift assessments that are printed out on this table in the back. And they, there's a lot of questions on there, but I encourage you, take the 10 minutes or so in order to fill that out. In fact, our goal is to see if we can end the sermon a little bit early Oh, you guys didn't laugh. You did laugh. Okay, never mind. Um, our goal is to see if we can end a little early so that maybe you would just be willing to take an extra few minutes before you leave this room. If you don't know your spiritual gifts, take one of those. Go back to your seat. Use one of the pens on the back of the um, seats and figure out what it is that you have. And on the bottom of your sermon notes in the discussion questions section, it asks, what are your top three gifts? Some of you know that. Some of you can discover that today and to practically take into account and apply what it is that we're learning. So, once you find out what they are, what do we do with them? Number one, Romans 12 verse 3 tells us to this, to accept our gifts humbly. Accept the gifts humbly. Verse 3, Paul writes to the church in Rome, he says, For by the grace given me, and you'll notice that this word grace um, 
or you won't notice, that word grace comes from the same idea of, um, the same root word as gift. And so it's like charisma is a gift, and caritas is the idea of grace. And so it's, it's both of these ideas. You'll see grace and gift kind of interplaying through the passage a little bit. And the idea is Paul's using wordplay in the Greek to connect the two together, that the graces we've received are actually the gifts that we've received, in this case, in order to bless those around us. So he's saying, the grace given to me as an apostle, as a teacher, as someone who shepherds you, from the grace given to me, Paul says this, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Um, we've, all seen, uh, we've all seen shows like American Idol or things like that where, you know, people are convinced that they all have, like they are the best singers. And you see these shows, and the first few episodes of each season are the ones where you see people who are really convinced that they're really good at singing, and then they go in front of the judges, and, you know, at the, at the time, Randy Jackson's like, no, that's a no for me, and Paula Abdul's being so sweet, but, like, also saying no, and Simon just scowls, which I think is why his name is S. Cowell, like Simon Cowell, he scowls. And so, just recognize that it's like you see this idea of people were told, oh, you're really good at this, and, and you know that they had people throughout the process saying, oh, no, you're good, you're going to do great, you're going to go to the show, and sadly, they were set up to be embarrassed in front of people. But all of us, all of us can need to figure out what is it that we're actually gifted in. That spiritual gifts are things that you can feel calling to, but then people can affirm in that same way. If you've ever had someone say, you are so great with kids, like you are so loving and caring, well, maybe they're affirming something in you. If you say, you are really good at taking something complex and saying it simply so I can understand it, that's amazing. Some people might say, when you speak to me and you say something and you encourage me, it, I literally feel so lifted up and I'm so grateful for that. Others will say, you know, I love the fact that when we say, hey, can you help with this? You say, I'm all about it. Just tell me what to do and I'm in. See, there are people who say, I appreciate that about you. I notice this about you. I affirm this about you. And acknowledging the idea that we've all been given gifts, but we ought not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And so this idea here, I remember I had a, um, there was a time that I, at my previous church, I'm like, I wanted, I've taken spiritual gifts tests before. But what I wanted was I wanted to get a more... Um, uh, a, a more holistic, or not even holistic, a more rounded perspective. So I asked someone who was a mentor for me to take a test for what they've seen in me. I've asked someone I was mentoring, can you take a test and can you say what you see in me? And then I asked a couple coworkers and a couple peers. So I kind of had all 360 degrees around me that were able to say, here's what we see in you. And when I got the results back, my mentor was really encouraging. He's like, you have all the gifts. And I'm like, well, that's nice, but that doesn't actually help me. So, um, but the others were able to take the test. And I remember, and I, and I confess this to my uh, chagrin, that I remember the top one was pastoring, which is awesome. I love being able to do that. And I love coming alongside people. But you know what I wanted my top gift to be? Awesomeness. No, I'm just kidding. I wanted it to be, I wanted it to be teaching. 
I wanted people to be like, oh, you are great at that. And part of that was I was in a church culture where there was an incredible, still is, he's still there, incredible lead pastor. And there's only a few opportunities to preach as a team. And so I remember thinking, oh, like I was always trying to jockey for a position so that I can maybe be the next one in line. Or I always wanted the pastor to see me doing a good job so that maybe I'd get the tap on the shoulder and like bring in the righty like it's the bullpen and you could preach. And so I remember wanting that to be what I wanted to be my top one. Because that is the one that often we give credit and glory to. And I've done this, so I'm not saying, but you, you go and you, I go to a conference, or I hear other pastors preach, I'm like, oh man, man, they're so good at what they do, they don't fumble on their words, they don't put their hands in their pocket, which is bad posture, like they, they're so good at engaging, they have such a simple way of saying something complex, and, and I think, I want that. Or that should be what I focus on. But it helped me to know that what other people were saying, you're good at, like, that's on there. It wasn't not on there. But what they said they saw was that I was good at coming alongside people, pastoring, shepherding, encouraging them. Like, so I should spend time doing that. Don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought. But the measure to which you have been received God's faith or faith in God, to use it to that measure, if if. It's the idea that if someone who is physically or intellectually smart enough that they could just not do any work and still just get incredible grades and still get SATs and still, like, get the highest grades and everything, it's like, that's great. Like, it's great that you're able to do that. But if you have the capacity to do all of this and you only use this, then sure, in the eyes of the world, you're doing really well in comparison. But if God says, I gave you all these gifts and you've only opened half of them, are we honoring the gift we've been giving? And are we honoring the giver of the good gifts? Or do we say, I'm just going to rely on my charm, rely on my skill, and I'm not going to lean into what you've given me, Lord. We can only give what has been, or we can always give back what's been given to us. John 3, 27, when John talks about that. So F.B. Meyer talks about this and how to acknowledge this humility of how to accept the gifts that God has given you humbly without comparison, without detracting, without focusing on what you haven't been given. He says this, I used to think that God's gifts were on shelves, one above another, and the taller we grow, the easier we can reach them. Now I find that God's gifts are on shelves, and the lower we stoop, the more we get. That the first shall be last, that the one who is the servant is the greatest of all. It's the more we submit and we humbly accept what God has given us, and we do that to the fullest, that we're able to experience God's blessing, his favor, and we get to what? Strengthen the body of Christ and share his love in a way that gives him glory and doesn't give us credit. So what do we do? We accept the gifts humbly. Some of us, that's something we wrestle with. Others of us, that's totally fine. The next thing that we do, this is important for us here, belong to the body. Belong to the body of Christ. Here's what Paul says in verses 4 through 5 of Romans 12. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. So there are times where I'll need your gifts, and you'll need my gifts, and we'll need each other's gifts. But Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, which we 
quoted a couple of the verses earlier, and I love this passage, but knowing that my proclivity to being verbose, that passage was 31 verses, and this one is like six, so I'm like, I think I could be quicker if I have this one. But he uses the example about how if the whole body of Christ were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body of Christ were an ear, where would the sight be? Can a hand say to the foot that I'm more important than you? And it's pointing us to the fact that there may be parts of the body that we see and we think, oh, it's more important. But all the parts of the body are important. And so this is probably not the best, but my, uh, my girls like to point out my gray hair. It's developing. Um, and then, then they also, never mind. So then they also notice that um, they like, I'll be like laying down like, dad, you have gray nose hair. I'm like, well, that's fantastic. And so I'm like, nose hair. I'm like, why do we even have nose hair? You know why? Because it helps to filter out nastiness from getting into our system, right? So it's to help block that out. Some of us, like, we would think, oh, the nose hair is like this unimportant part of the body. If you didn't have it, how much more would we be sick? How much more would we have issues? And we think about some parts of the body are more elevated and more important than others, and yet all of us, I'm not calling anyone here the nose hairs of the body of Christ, to be clear, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, all of us play an important role. Whether you're on stage, behind the scenes, whether you get to serve weekly, whether you serve every once in a while, all of us are important. But here's the thing, friends. It talks about what good would an arm be off by itself? What good would a leg be off by itself? In the body of Christ, we are conjoined with ligaments and tendons, and we're all united, and we belong to one another. Your body is not your own. It was paid for by, at a price. And now Christ is the head of his church. He is the head of the body of Christ. And so if he says, hey, we should go walk, and then looks around at the church and says, but our legs are missing because people aren't belonging to one another, then it's going to hinder what God has called our church to do. Some of us, we're, we're here and, and you're visiting, and so we're so glad that you're here. And so this maybe isn't for you, unless if you say, no, I want to be mem a member of this church. I want to be a part of this body of Christ. Because if that's you, then we need your gifts. We need your abilities. We need your heart. We need your personality. We need your experience. And it's not because we need it. It's because God wants to use how you've been shaped to share his love to the world and to strengthen the body of Christ. So we belong to one another. This is not something where we just show up every once in a while. This is something where we want to have that connection with God and connection to one another more deeply and to belong to each other in community and in discipleship and in witnessing to who God is. Oz Guinness says it this way. He says, the purpose of giftedness is stewardship and service, not selfishness. It's not for ourselves. It's to be good stewards of what God has given and to serve those around us. Lastly, we see that we accept gifts humbly, we belong to the body, and then we use gifts accordingly. We use the gifts we've been given accordingly. We see this in verse 6. We have different gifts, and according to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. It's saying whatever role you have, whatever gifts you have, don't look down on your gift because it's not someone else's. 
Be grateful for what God has given you and use it for the common good to share his love and to strengthen the body of Christ. And so it's whatever, use it accordingly, whatever gift you have. To give an illustration of this, uh, our family, a couple weeks ago, got, um, were gifted for Christmas tickets to go see Frozen down at um, the San Diego Civic Center. So there's a picture of us here out front. Um, and so we were able to go see it, and it was, you know when you go see plays, and you're like, I'm not sure how it's going to be. It was really enjoyable. We really loved it. And it was amazing to be able to see all the different aspects of the play and the production come together. Now, for those of you who were not able to see, which I'm assuming is the majority of us, um, we're going to watch a, I think it's one minute and 15 second clip. If you're, before you even think about it, if you say, what song is it most likely going to be from Frozen that we're going to show? You're right. It is that one. But um, what I want to do is point out a couple things after we watch it. So if we could go ahead and uh, put the video on, turn our attention to the screens, and we'll watch this clip. I know some of you are thinking, why do you always use Disney princess movies? But they get to the heart. So um, I promise I'll try to figure out like a gladiator Braveheart clip some other time. But um, here's what I want to bring up. We watched that clip, and it's really easy to be like, wow, that actress playing Elsa, she did amazing. Her voice sounded incredible. Like, that was amazing. But let's look at a couple of facts of what it takes for Frozen as an on-tour Broadway musical to actually come to fruition. That the equipment requires over 20 trucks, 16 of which travel with the actual tour, four trucks of which have to go to the tour stop ahead of it in order to do the prep work. The video wall in the back weighs 6,000 pounds and has 4.7 million LED lights. The crystal curtains, the ones that you saw on the side, they're all shiny, shimmery, and splendid. Wrong Disney movie. But crystal curtains have more than 20,000 crystals. The ice palace that she builds later has 53,000 Swarovski crystals. I remember going to the mall and looking at Swarovski. It's also glittery and shiny. So her dress took one person 41 days to bead and has 44,154 icy crystals and stones. And her wig has 1,000 beads in it as well. And there are 34 actors with 300 costumes. See, we would be remiss to say, wow, she did a great job. She did. But notice that there had to be the music. There had to be the timing when the set comes up. There had to be the moment when she points to the ground and the ice comes on the ground and then there's ice that goes around and they have the sound effects in order to make it sound like it's freezing. They had to have someone who made her costume in such a way. They had to have someone who somehow 
change costumes in the middle of a song, and they had to be able to figure out the lighting, because if she's talking with no sound, you know, we like it, but it's beautiful. If we see her, if we turn off the lights at the very end of it, and there's just no lights the whole time, we'd be like, oh, that sounded cool. If there was no, if there was no ice plan, and she just points to the ground in, like, pajamas, we'd be like, Cool. But it's everybody behind the scenes. The people who come weeks before the play is even happening, setting things up. The people who are backstage knowing all the cues. The people who know when the orchestra that has to play the music. It's everybody coming together. Some of you, some of you are saying, well, I just think that the person on stage is the one who's supposed to do the work. Friends, we are all called to, it's a priesthood of all believers. We are called to serve. We are called to minister. We are called to use the gifts God has given us. And friends, when we went, like, the place went wild when that happened, when she, like, changed in her voice, and she, like, sings the last notes differently, and it's like, ah, and that was me, not even the girls. And so it's just, you know, this is an amazing experience. And friends, the local church that has withstood for thousands of years. This play, while incredible, is here today, gone tomorrow. But if we can use it as an illustration to take hold of what the church can do and what the church can be, people behind the scenes, on stage, that you don't even know what they're doing, people coming together knowing what they're gifted in and using them for the common good, to strengthen the body of Christ and to show his love around us. If we came together in such a way, it's not a beautiful performance. It's the body of Christ working and living and moving and changing this world. Friends, if you have your spiritual gifts and you're not using them, like God has given you a gift and say, why aren't you opening it? Why aren't you using it? And why aren't you using it where I've planted you? Helen Keller will close our sermon today when she wrote this. She said, I long to accomplish a great and noble task. Remember, I'm like, I want to be the one that's on stage and I want all the credit or whatever. But it is my chief duty to accomplish humble tasks, although they were great and noble. The world has moved along not only by the mighty shoves of its heroes, but also by the aggregate of the tiny pushes of each honest worker. It's all of us playing our parts that will make a symphony. It's all of us playing our parts that will allow us to see God's glory be used to strengthen one another and to share his love to those outside our doors. Not any one of us can do it alone. I need you. You need me. We need each other. So let's lean into that rather than, if I may be frank, rather than staying and thinking I can attend church once, maybe twice a month, and that's all that matters is being part of church. Church is not a building, friends. Church is the people that God has, Jesus has called out to have an influence on his world. So will you be part of that definition of church? using the gifts to share his love and to strengthen one another as the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for each person who's part of our service today, whether they're live in person, live online, or watching or listening later. God, I thank you that you've gifted each and every one of us. Your word says every person who has a relationship with you, Jesus, has been given a gift by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Lord, I pray that you'd be stirring within us today and within these next several weeks as we see how it is that you've shaped us, Lord, to be used for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, I pray that you would um, encourage people if they need to take an assessment, that you would encourage them to do so. If they already know what that is, that they, you would encourage them to lean in and find ways to serve. If, you are, if there are people who need to be in a community of small group, that you would encourage them to step forward and join one. And whether there are people who need to step up and serve, God, may you reveal that to them clearly today and over the next several weeks as we continue through our Masterpiece in Progress series. We love you, Lord, and it's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember, you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.